Welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Today we're going to be studying chapter 8 of, of Isaiah. And if you remember, in 26 and 27, we were, we were reading about um, how God had brought back the remnant of Israel back together again. And this was the prophecy about what was going to happen. So if I go back to 27, just to give you a, ref- just to give you a reminder, and chap- uh, verse 12, In that day the Lord will thresh from the flowing Euphrates to the wadi of Egypt, and you, Israel, will be, will be gathered up one by one. And in that day a great trumpet will sound. Those who were perishing in Assyria and those who were exiled in Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So that's the backdrop. And chapter 28, verse 1. Woe to the wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, to the city, the pride of those laid low by wine. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour. He will throw it forcefully to the ground. That wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, will be trampled underfoot. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like figs right before harvest. As soon as people see them and take them in hand, they swallow them. So, do you think that maybe Ephraim and his uh, people drink a lot of wine and uh, really are not paying attention to what God wants from them? They're becoming dull, and uh, bottom line, they're, they're not following in the ways of the Lord. Verse 5, in that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle of the gate. And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer, they stagger when they see visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. And the tables are covered with vomit, and there is not a spot without fill. So again, we have a people that have such a such an alcohol problem that their priest, their leaders are just drunk and can't function correctly. There's not a spot within the realm that is not is without fill. Who is he trying to re- teach? To whom is he ex- explaining this message? The tr- children weaned from their milk to those just taken from the breast. For it is, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his people, to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose, but they would not listen. So then the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here and a little there. So that as they go, they will fall backward. They will be injured, snared, and and captured. So the people can't understand the message from God. And I think this gets back a little bit to the other day when we were talking about knowing and hearing God's voice. There's very few examples where God actually is speaking in the Old Testament directly to the people. And without the basic interpreter of Christ and and the, the Holy Spirit, it seems that there's really a struggle for the average person to understand and be able to com- comprehend what God is telling them. 
So th that may be one of the reasons they had priests, that they had these intermediaries between them and God. And before Christ and the Holy Spirit, there really wasn't um, a lot of communicating with the people in mass. It seems to be primarily communicating with the people um, via a, an intermediary. So, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. You boast you have entered into a covenant with death. With the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. So this is the leadership saying that they've entered a covenant with death. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So again, remember, this is God speaking through Isaiah, but Isaiah is the, they're saying to Isaiah, we've made a covenant. We've made a covenant with whoever, whatever it might be. Uh, I doubt it's truly death, but whatever it might be, they've made this covenant. And so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line, the righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. So God is saying, no, I'll put the real the real trustworthy element here. I'll put the real cornerstone here and it will be truth and it will be um, righteousness and your covenant will get swept aside. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. So what's interesting and keeps striking me is that even in this end times, when obviously things are not well, and God has brought his people together, they still argue and debate with him. They still don't follow him like they should. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount per Perizim. He will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop your mocking, or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, he, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway, scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is not beaten out with a rod, and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. And all, all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. So just going through this and considering the different pieces of it, we're still in the, in the tribulations or whatever end time it might be, where God has, has gathered his people back together. And he now has um, Israel gathered together and is leading them. But the people are still rebelling. 
and rebelling against his words and his wisdom. They're getting drunk and they're, they're trusting in everything except him. And they become so simple, so, so unable to grasp what's really happening that he has to then say in, with his laws, do this, do that, to keep it simple because they aren't able to see the glory of what he really has in store for them. That they're just like little babies that are so young, they just have been weaned. They're so young and unable to grasp a concept and a thought. Again, it might be because, you know, they're, you know, God speaking from hearing God and God speaking to them is so challenging because of the magnificence of what he says and who he is. But he is speaking through his his prophets. And so, you know, I don't know what it will be like for them. But at the end of the day, the people aren't listening. They're not hearing. Even in the, in the end times when they've seen some pretty amazingly bad things. But then it, I start thinking about, well, how dumb are the Israelites? And I start then thinking about myself. How many times have I fallen short? How many times has something bad happened? And yet I still don't listen to the word of God. I still don't do what I know he wants me to do. How many times do I have to walk through the same mistakes when I hear his voice, but I'm not listening or I'm not even trying to hear his voice or I think I hear his voice, but I'm, I'm wrong. So it's really gets back to the focus for this week, hearing God's voice and submitting to it and doing as well. So <laughs> the Israelites are just a great example for us. They're a fabulous example for me and what I need to do or stop doing in order to more better serve the Lord my God and have that relationship that brings him glory and me peace and comfort. Again, the Israelites are a wonderful example. I love reading Isaiah. I love his devotion, his willingness, and his clarity of thought. As, we, as he moves through so many of these different experiences that he sees and he prophesizes. I hope you're having a great week. I hope it started out well for you. I, I pray that you're able to see people as God sees them and you're able to hear his voice and that you're practicing and that you're spending time with him so you do understand and you can tell that it's him talking, that you do recognize it and that you are able to understand and grow and understand the plan for your life, or at least a part of it, what it is today. With that, I'm going to close with a quick prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this day and for this, these, these friends, these children of yours. I just thank you that they're on this journey with me and that they're moving closer to you each and every day. I just pray you watch over them, keep them safe, hold them close, and may you be honored and glorified by all we do. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me on this journey and have a wonderful rest of the day.